Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Chapman on the Post, episode number 10, slightly later than advertised, I do apologise for that. Um, I am your host Ross, and with me as ever is Dave. Hello, hello. How are you, sir? Yes, very good, thank you. Um, I think we got there in the end. We always joke about episode, the episode being <laughs> slightly late, like this has been one, one setback set after another, um, but yeah, it's been a got rough there month. in the end. Can we, can we blame lockdown? Can we blame the government? I mean, I'm going to blame lockdown. Yeah, it's their fault. <laughs> but we will get into some lockdown stuff later on in the podcast. It's, it's a good podcast. There's lots of stuff on it. Yeah, we've um, we've, we've been busy. I know people might think we haven't been. We've, people have been sat on our sat on our house doing nothing for the last We're always six weeks. Working. We're always always busy. Always always there's always conversations to be had. Mm. But yeah, we've got we've got two great guests, and, uh, and then as you said, we've we've been busy stealing other people's ideas. So. <laughs> I mean, this is podcast in 2020. Come on, if you're not seeing other people's ideas by now, what are you doing? There's, there's no original oh. ideas anymore. No, no, no there's not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely not on this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> no. Uh, and then, uh, we've, well, we've had a tweet from Eric Netherlands as well, which I'm taking as a full-on guarantee that he's going to be on a podcast in the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to ignore, you know, the heartbreak, what happened with Tommy, with Tommy Spindle Larson, yeah. where we got as far, got, got as far as ringing his mobile and he just didn't answer, which was, I'm not going to lie, a low point. Um, and then there was this John Curtis who several times said, yes, yes, I'll do the podcast. And then just <laughs> just can't just can't clinch the deal. <laughs> um, but, I mean, and Eric Neverland, well, he, he, he tweeted, he said he would come on sometime. And if that's not a cast iron guarantee, then what is <laughs> For us, we're taking that. We are having that as a cast iron guarantee. He will be on the show at some point within the next five years of this podcast. <laughs> I already look forward to being followed, then swiftly unfollowed by him. DMs <laughs> being seen but not replied to. <laughs> um, so what's coming up on this week's show, Dave? Who have we got on this month's show, is there? Uh, so we've got um, Michael Martin from uh, Quickly Kevin. So I'm sure you, you'll be aware of the Quickly Kevin podcast. Um, they've been running um, some championship manager tournament with some celebrities um, on their live shows, which, of course, they can't do in person, so... Feels They're a little bit that... like a gimmick infringement in that one. Ah, uh, can we can we really talk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean it, it, I've been helping Michael set them up um, with the team yeah. and stuff, and it's it, it's brilliant to see. Um, I won't spoil the whole interview. It's brilliant to see. There's there must be a couple of thousand people turn up on these on these live shows they do, and they're all glued to this this match which they set up, and it's um, for me it's it's really hard to see. Um, and it, I mean. Again, selfishly, the blog gets wonderful hits after these things happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the more the merrier. So it's, it's We're a one big community, so good on them. Well, well exactly. Um, but yeah, if you want uh, to bring those thousands to listen to the podcast, that'd be great as well. Well, it's, it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> um, and uh, after Michael, we've got uh, Mark Carruthers, who is um, Mr. Non-League up here in the Northeast. Um, you, you may know him outside the Northeast, of course, but uh, I think I've he's seen been... I have seen him on Twitter pop up a few times. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, he's obviously been in the tournaments and things we've done, but he's, he's generally... Anything he doesn't know about non-league isn't worth knowing. Um, but he also obviously plays the game and things like that, and I just wanted to have a chat with him about a lot of things, really. So it's a very interesting chat. Um, so you'll uh, look forward to that one. And then what are we finishing with? The and we'll, finish, we'll finish with uh, the lockdown challenge, which, uh, like I say, elements may have been borrowed from other guests we've had on this show. But, um, you know, as you say, there's no original ideas. And at the end of the day, all I want to do, or what we want to do, is to bring people together during these difficult times and give them something else to think about rather than, you know, when when they can next go outside, when they can next see, yeah. you know, family members and things. And it's it's it's, it's crap for everyone, let's be honest. But uh, if I can spread the joy a little bit by giving you something to do for a couple of hours a night, then all the merrier. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, it gives Dave something to do for going for his, in- his email inbox, I imagine, or his Twitter DMs. Oh, I've never felt more popular. <laughs> <laughs> We have to, I think it was uh, 50, I think you tweeted that yesterday, isn't it? That, that many people taking yeah. part currently? Yeah, yeah 50. My, my spreadsheet knows no bounds. <laughs> Insane. All, all the while doing the, the regular Sunday Man on the Post show as well. This man is a, a working machine. Plus being a, a, a dad to a, a one-year-old, which is not easy. Yeah, I've been up since four o'clock, Ross. Four o'clock. <laughs> That's insane. Although, just keep, put, keep putting the, the BBC News theme tune on. Oh, it just entrances them. It's great. That's a superb Snapchat. I don't know if, you've, if anyone follows Dave on Snapchat, but that was superb. He was like away, wasn't he? That was it. He was done for. Yeah, it's great because I, mean, I don't know how much I gave you, but he, he follows it right through until like they do the headlines <laughs> and then it stops and he just goes back to what he was doing. Like It's just <laughs> it's like a switch. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. I might try that with my daughter later on. I think she's got a less of an attention span. <laughs> uh, but right, let's get straight in then to the first interview, which is with Michael Marlon from Quickly Kevin and also all of the, the CM9798 um, tournaments that we've done here. So our next guest is uh, someone you might know from a very popular 90s podcast i'm sure you've all been listening to quickly kevin and if you haven't sort that out after you finish listening to us today but for now i'm joined by michael martin how are you sir i'm very well happy to be here yeah it's um it's been a long time in the making i think we've been trying to get this sorted out for a little while um but i'm pleased we've we finally got around to, to getting it recorded always happy to talk about Chapman in, in in any form <laughs> yeah well we'll put that to the test over the next half an hour or so but uh just ju- ju- just in case anybody isn't aware can you can you try and sum up quickly kevin in uh as, as succinct way as you can well it started out as a a kind of nostalgia based look back at what i would say is the greatest decade in football history which was the uh oh, yeah. the 90s um myself chris and josh who are the sort of main hosts and i'm the producer would just endlessly be on nights out and holidays and birthdays and weddings sort of found in a corner discussing these weird niche aspects of 90s football and chris just one day suggested uh why don't we just start a podcast about this so we we did and then uh over the last three years it's just kind of grown and evolved into this strange beast which is kind of <laughs> you know become its own community in a way that we never imagined but it's um yeah it's genuinely the best thing that we do we all we all absolutely love it well that's the thing it's, it's you talk you have people like me who obviously also love the the era of you know the 90s football um sort of bring it all together and i think I'm not alone in saying that even if you just did correspondence alone, we'd probably be probably be quite happy because some of the things people find are absolutely incredible, but also ridiculous. Like, I'm sure we'll come on to this later on, but some of the things people dig out, and obviously we, we sometimes have sort of a running gag of trying to find out whether it's true or not. Um, 
and then of course it's all kind of overshadowed with the uh, the Steve Bruce series of books, which are again the most ridiculous piece of literature ever written. But uh, the way that they're ripped apart by yourselves is, is you know it's very very funny. It's um it's crazy the kind of cul-de-sacs that we end up going. You know, if you'd have told me three and a half years ago we would end up obsessing over whether David Batty keeps his car keys in his socks during international matches i would have just laughed in your face but yeah the show i mean the, the correspondence i think has become and the listeners especially in that community has become the kind of lifeblood of the show it generates so much intrigue and so much content for us that it's it's an absolute joy yeah and i mean we've all seen the evidence that everybody definitely does keep keys in his socks but, <laughs> but why <laughs> um, we will never know as as with many questions about david batty we will never know the answer the funny thing is, I was talking to, um, I did a couple of interviews with some, some Newcastle commentators up here for one of the papers, and uh, there's a guy called Mick Lowe's who covered Newcastle for a lot of years, and he said he would talk, he could talk to any of the players like he was there during you know, the Keegan era, or right the way through to a couple of years ago, and he said David Batty was always the hardest one to pin down. Like Whenever it was his turn to do the media, he would come out of train and he would just say, oh, I've got the kids, got the kids, got to go. And that was it. He was away, like, and uh, I can fully believe it. <laughs> yeah. He's such a compelling character. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by him. It's a dream. I've got a sort of a wish list of guests, and I'd say he probably over the years has become my number one. He's he'll probably be our our white whale. He'll be our sort of Moby Dick. <laughs> I did watch a video of him being punched in the face uh, in a I think it was your Wafer Cup game. Yes, I saw that the other day as well. Yeah, Just didn't even flinch. Uh, he's um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about David Batty all day, but that's not. Um, We'll come back round to quickly, Kevin, in a short time. But firstly, let's talk some Chapman for a bit. So how did it all start for you? Can you remember how you first got into the series, uh, your first sort of dabblings with the game at all? Oh, yeah, I remember it fondly and, and vividly. I was, I mean, a sort of very early adopter. So I, the very first version on the Amiga was my, my entry into it. Um, oh, yeah. I would have been 13 at the time, I think, first year of high school, which where I grew up in the Isle of Wight, we had the kind of old three-tier system. So it was sort of primary, middle, high school, not the kind of primary, secondary system. So it's my first year of high school at 13. And you end up kind of meeting new people, um, you know, joining new classes, football teams and stuff. And this one guy just kept banging on about this game he had called Championship Manager. And I wasn't really interested, but you know, sort of every single day he'd come in and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And in the end I ended up, right, I'll come around your house and, you know, I'll have a play, see what this thing is. And I was just I was hooked from like game one. I had no idea that that sort of type of management game even existed, but it just appealed to so many of my sensibilities and interests. And you know, I love a sort of football game, you know, your kind of FIFAs and your Pro Evos, but there's something about management simulation that just absolutely ticked every box and i was um yeah i was i was hooked ever since so it took me it took me about eight months to save up enough money to buy an old amiga 500 plus uh <laughs> and a second hand copy and then it just yeah it probably probably didn't switch off for about three years <laughs> yeah so i'm guessing you went through all the in the early days they had like it was like data disc update wasn't it rather than releasing the yeah i sort of once that that machine i kind of ragged it to death and towards the end of its life the disk drive broke so you couldn't save games there was something to do with the sort of a, a read write error thing so i basically just had the machine on 24 7 and <laughs> i played a save i can't remember who i was playing as it was a number of different teams but i, I was probably 60 or 70 seasons at least into it uh but what happened with that old version of the game, it was the kind of 
I mean, I don't know if your listeners will go that far back, but anyone that remembers it, it was a very simple match engine with just defense, midfield, attack. These kind of like three bars that went up and down based on the strength of your team or your formation. But what happened was you could overload the match engine if you just played one central defender, one holding midfielder, and then stacked your midfield and forwards, you know, in some variation of like 5-1-2 or whichever you preferred. You'd just win every game because the programming wasn't complex enough for it to sort of fight against you. But the moment you left that team and managed someone else, it kept that formation. So over (laughs) the decades, what happened was you were playing against three, four, five different AI versions of yourself. So what happened was it would be unwinnable. You would sort of destroy the teams that weren't you, and then you come up against a team that effectively was a kind of ghost of you, and it would just be <laughs> carnage. There would be sort of 20-goal thrillers every time, and sometimes you'd get spanked 10-0, sometimes you beat them 10-0. So it became this real kind of slog, sort of kind of weird Chapman purgatory as the machine was on its last legs. Well, there's your game, really. Like, try to beat essentially yourself <laughs> over 60 to 70 years. That's... Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's probably for the best that they've found a way around that, or else we'd yeah. all be, uh, we'd, we'd all be, well, probably sick to death. But yeah, it's never really considered that how it would go. So it was a bit like, um, do you, do you ever play Mario Kart on the SNES? And they had the sort of the ghost oh, when you do the, the time, time trial, yeah. and you had to sort of, you had to beat that version of yourself. It was like that, but the ghost got sort of quicker and quicker and quicker each time. <laughs> but, but the moment I turned off, everything was lost. So I was like, oh, I'm stuck in this sort of seventh ring of hell. <laughs> Oh man! So uh, from there, were you want like did you get every every new game that came out from there, or did you have to wait until? Yeah, I'm pretty sure from then onwards, I had every version, including the kind of back then when it was only like one or two leagues. So I remember they released the sort of Italian league. I don't remember exactly which version it was, but that was that was a huge deal. Like me and my friend who would play it all the time were like our mind was blown because on the early versions of the game, signing anyone that was a high-profile foreign player, especially an Italian player back when Serie A was, you know, the kind of holy grail of football, it was just impossible. And it's like, oh my God, we can play as AC Milan. And then, yeah, sort of every version, I think, most of the updates until the version, which I imagine we'll talk most about today, which was, you know, CM 97-98, which I think for yourself and a lot of people of our age and generation was a kind of, that was a real game changer. Oh, I mean, absolutely was for being able to load multiple leagues for the first time. But I was going to ask you about this later on, but you just kind of segued into it there. There's like a run, I wouldn't say a run joke, but there's quite often, I think I get the impression Josh tries to push your buttons or what your favourite version is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so am, am I right yeah. in saying that obviously, I, mean, I can guess Josh's is 97, 98 from, from the various bits and pieces he's done about it, but I'm guessing yours isn't, or is that not fair no, to say? No, well, I, I, uh, I'd say it's tricky because... Um, you know, you always remember your first, and and that first Chapman ninety three will always have a special place in my heart. I'd say Chapman ninety seven ninety eight is probably up there in the top three as well. A big part of that is you know where you were, what time in your life you were playing that game, and that the sweet spot for me playing that was around my A levels and sort of increasingly a lot more time. I took a year off with my friends, which I sort of talked about on one of the pods with Tom Crane about. We basically pretended we needed more UCAS points, but really we were just <laughs> deep into a three-player uh, multiplayer game, and we just went to college one night a week and then spent the rest of the day kind of nine to five just playing championship manager but the big thing for me on that version of the game is the data editor because the ability to kind of just keep the game up to date and also sort of correct those things that you felt were wrong and sometimes for me you know there's a manchester united bias i'd be like okay i'm just gonna just gonna tweak his stats a little bit well they need all the help of course (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> it, it would be little things you know there would be games where you would put we put our entire sort of youth football team in it with realistic stats and tried to see if we could get them promoted you know up through the leagues and obviously you can't because we were all terrible but that ability to just constantly update the transfers and improve the teams i think gave that version of the game for me a kind of longevity and a, a nostalgia which is probably lacking in some of the other versions despite them also having data editors it's like that sense of oh my god you can do this so it's, yeah that one's always got a special place in my heart and i know i'm also a big advocate of the most recent version of the game um you know i still play it regularly not as much as i used to but i think it always improves you know they make missteps and sometimes some versions because they've tried too much or tweak something it doesn't quite work but it's it's one of the few games that i think genuinely has evolved and i think has has changed the landscape of how people see football from managers to fans to everyone who's involved in the game i don't think you can understate its influence no i think that's a fair point as well and i'm i'm with you in that for all i play a lot of the older games i always give the new one a try every year um purely because as you say it, it it's a very very good game and fair enough if you might not have the time you used to have then no you probably won't get as much out of it as, as plenty of people do but you can't say it's a bad game because your time isn't as free as it used to be and as you say it's it's pretty much a as realistic a sim of what it's like to manage a club as you're ever going to get in terms of the amount you have to do i imagine yes you do have to do quite a lot to manage a premier league football club these days like it's it's not a it's not meant to be a strip back version that's why they've got you know the mobile apps and all the other sort of slimmer versions of the game if you if you want to do it that way but it's a it's a full-on management sim and you can't really say it's not i'm very curious to see what they do this year with obviously you know covid seems to have dominated everything and apparently it is in the game um so i'm curious to see how that'll play out but uh yeah, but yeah as you say it, it it evolves every year doesn't it so it, it's it's never it's never the same game um which i think you could probably say of fifa and, and pro evo sometimes they are more or less exactly the same but football manager always at least tries to put some new stuff in there yeah and i totally understand you know i think one of josh's and a lot of people sort of bugbears is that it has become too detailed and too complex you have to do too much and and for a sort of casual gamer it's not for them and i I totally understand that i can absolutely see that you know when i get the first version of the game i'll sometimes play it for a whole day without even playing a fixture because i just want to get a sense of the world and all the features and what's involved and sort of learn about you know the training and the tactic and all of that stuff and actually for the people that just want to pick up and you know play game of fifa for 10 minutes or even just blast through a season in a day it isn't the game for them but for me it's getting lost in a save when you are sort of invested in not only the real players but then the regens and all of that i think um you know there's nothing in my life that i have done as much as play the championship manager football manager series we're talking tens of thousands of hours probably like i don't know i'd be terrified to add it all up if i went back yeah but i i I don't regret i don't regret a single minute of any of it yeah let's let's not add up that time because i think it'll depress both of us but (laughs) (laughs) but i I, you know same as you i i I wouldn't say i regret it it's always been enjoyable i don't do it for to you know, drag myself through it. If I don't enjoy a save, I'll probably start a new one. Like it's not like I put myself through it for the for, for not letting the fans yeah, down. It's, it's not your actual job. You don't have to actually manage <laughs> this. <team. laughs> You're not washing yeah. their kits and sort of driving the bus to some obscure ground on a Wednesday night. It's like it should be fun. I mean, I stopped playing it for a couple of years because I sort of was like, oh, I'm not being as creative and productive enough. And what I found was. I, it genuinely made me unhappier not having the game in my life because it had become a form of sort of stress relief. It was a thing mm. that I'd come home after a long day's work and I'd put it on and sort of immerse myself in that world. 
And then an hour later, I'd sort of had forgotten about, you know, a shit day at work or these other things that had gone on in your life. And actually managing and sort of rationing the football manager time, I was so much happier. And then occasionally, you know, you've got a weekend to yourself and you're like, oh, I'm not going to leave the house this weekend. I'm just going to play this and just blast through a couple of seasons, have the football on in the background, watch match of the day at the night, order a pizza. And, you know, those are some of the best weekends of my life. Sounds ideal, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Um, so you mentioned it there in, in passing, but do you, can you can you pin down sort of one memorable save, the most memorable save you've had, where you've you know, been totally immersed in this world and you're kind of at work and you've got your, your team written down the back of a notebook and you're plotting? <laughs> kind oh, God, of, kind I mean, of, I've, I've got <laughs> so many. So I mean, I've I've still I'm, I sort of I'm not a hoarder, but I do sort of keep things, which I guess is a definition of a hoarder. And I am currently <laughs> housed, and I and I found a load of old notebooks. Many of them were sort of tactics and ideas for formations and player lists from sort of various old versions of the game, which will never get played again. Like CM 97, 98 is interesting in that it does have this kind of longevity. Like people are still playing it now. I occasionally will play it, but there's other versions of the game that I would never go back to that have been since it. So it's, it's kind of got this weird life and this sort of purity and history to it. Um, if we're talking specifically about 97, 98, there's sort of the two, two big ones. One is the one that I sort of touched on earlier, where me and my friends were playing oh, yeah, as yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough, I think Wolves and Derby. And it was just an attempt to sort of take these big clubs, if you like, back to the big time. Um, and we would just rotate the kind of scouting and playing our games while the other two played GoldenEye or Mario Kart. So that one really, you know, has a very special place in my heart. Uh, but the other one that I sort of weird, it, I was always stuck with me was I played a game, I don't know why, just sort of picked them randomly as Real Betis. And just really sort of fell in love with them as a club, even though I knew nothing about them through this save to the point where I, the following year I went on holiday in, in Spain and just went out of my way to source a Real Betis football shirt. And it was really <laughs> ugly because they've got an ugly kit, the sort of green and white stripe. Oh, and yeah, it was yeah. uh, the Kappa, those sort of late 90s Kappa designs, like really kind of garish, like almost like laddie, you know, sort of loaded magazine sort of thing now. I mean, I wore it to death for years and I see pictures and now it's like, oh my God, what did you look like? But that was entirely because of this save because I just sort of like really bought into what I thought was the mentality of this this team. And, you know, this is... 22 years ago now and whenever i'm looking at spanish football i'll just go I'll see how see how betis are getting on and that's all because of the game oh, that's amazing isn't it how you get uh you get involved in the, the culture of this club you've uh you, you managed on a whim on a game probably a number of years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what it's all about though i think that's uh i hope that never you know dies inside of me where i, I can't pick up a game and think ah oh, you know i'm just going to be newcastle and only newcastle and that'll be it like it's it's not what it's about, is it? I, I've, we've had this chat before with other people on the pod where we said, you know, actually a lot of our knowledge of the world, not just world football, but like where places are and how, what languages they speak in certain countries comes from playing these games. Oh, yeah. My geography is entirely based on championship manager and football and knowing <laughs> like someone goes, oh, where's that? And I'll go, oh, it's in this country because I know that's the football team that plays in that city. <laughs> um, let's talk quickly, Kevin, for a bit then. So... Um, you've recently added uh, a Patreon service. Um, was that a was that a big decision? Does it add any any pressure having to you know deliver more than doing it for free? Yeah, it was um it was something we had talked about for a long time, and we kind of kind of wrestled with putting a thing behind a paywall is a is a big decision, and it's something we didn't take lightly. Um, you know, the the motives were ultimately we love making the show, but it takes up 
a lot of time and a lot of energy it's mm. you know a lot of research a lot of kind of love and craft goes into it because it's something that we you know it's not a job for us is we're really passionate about it but what happened was we were just too busy it took up so much of our time that aligning our our schedules and then you know guest schedules meant that some years we barely got a series out in a year and what we looked into it and we decided that if we could find a model that worked and gave value to the people that were willing to kind of subscribe and pay a little bit of money it would allow us the ability to make the regular series which we do you know effectively for free the content's out there for anyone to consume for free we could produce a lot more of those episodes so we spoke to you know friends who are fans of the show you know we sort of spoke to other fans of the show that we know via you know sort of you know people like yourself that have we've been involved with the show in some form have helped out or you know have sent in correspondence and just said look guys you know we're thinking of doing this what are your thoughts on it we don't want to alienate the fans and the community you know this isn't a kind of money grab but it's like we would love to make more of these but we can't for these reasons if you know a couple of thousand people were willing to chip in and build the community in a different way then we can make more series we can look at booking bigger guests who you know perhaps want a bit more money or you know we would have to go around the country to visit that we just not, not been able to and also it's so much fun the ability to sort of go oh, yeah. i can <laughs> allocate a few days of my month and qualify it as like a job was you know a very exciting prospect and and so far it's been it's been brilliant partly because we just really wanted to do an insanely deep dive into the steve barnes steve bruce trilogy and i just don't think you could have justified doing that on a main series because as much as people do love those some of those episodes there are some people that absolutely hate them so if we're going oh yeah and by the way we're going to do an hour on every chapter or every book over three years <laughs> there's a world in which those episodes hemorrhage listeners where actually the people that are going to subscribe to the fan club are exactly the type of people that want that they want that oh my god yes please every word every paragraph so that was our, our main thinking and just the ability to kind of like like today for instance which, you know i'm not sure when this goes out but we've just launched uh, like a forum which is going to be a place that chris josh and i are going to kind of be there regularly but just give the community a place to come and like talk and laugh and joke and discuss all the things and their memories of it and and turn that into a sort of place in the same way that the podcast has been for people that just love the game from that decade oh, that's a really good idea i think uh, the problem with with the, the internet at the minute is that everyone will hammer twitter with someone says something that has an opinion and all of a sudden they are the worst person in the world um so trying to segregate you know actual people who aren't going to start a fight over anything into a in, in somewhere where they can talk about something we all love i think that's a really a really good idea um because i mean I, I don't know if you spend that much time on twitter but it's it's toxic at the best of times, I think, is probably the word for it. So, Yeah, I think it's a cesspit. I think it will be, you know, I think it has its uses, but generally, I mean, let's not go into this, but I think social media will be the downfall of this dawn of humanity. Well, I'll be, be the leading quote for when this pod goes out. I'll be... <laughs> That'll be what we do to get people to listen. Um, but no, I mean, you're probably right. It's uh, it's it's going to end in tears one way or another. Um, so uh, you mentioned by the, by the time this pod goes out, it'll probably be next week. So you'll have just done the live show this this coming Sunday. Um, yes. That's a, a mix-up in terms right there. But yeah, there is a live show. It's probably happened a few days ago. Um, am I right in saying people can get that after the event? Is that the plan? Yes. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, I mean, there's no way to sort of concisely explain this because i've just literally just tried doing it earlier on the podcast and i had to rescript it about five times but basically these shows are free to fan club patreon members uh if you can't watch it live on the night 
the next day it will be available as a sort of you know plus one catch-up thing same with the people who are only buying a ticket for the show via Ticketmaster. It's live on Sunday night at eight. And that'll be the same for all of them. We're going to try and do these, you know, fairly regularly over the next few months and, and into the new year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Again, if, if people aren't aware of this, the, the guys are running a, um, a Chapman 9798 uh, tournament, if you like, with, between various fans of the game, really. So I think the, the first quarter final, which was, mm, when was it, June, maybe? Some months ago. Anyway. Yeah, June, yeah. Yeah, um, I think we were all surprised at just how compelling a game was. I mean, we had real reservations about playing a silent 22-year-old computer game on a Zoom share screen. We thought, we're just going to hemorrhage you know, viewers, and no one's going to watch this. But actually, it was one of the most exciting things I've ever done in my life. And it was a bit like, I don't know if you've come to any of our actual live shows back before lockdown. No, not, not yet. No. But we sort of, what we do at the end of that show, it's not a spoiler, but we basically get a member of the audience on stage with our guest for the evening. So we, when we did in Manchester was with uh, David May and we bought a load of packs of old Panini and Merlin football stickers that were unopened. We got each of them to open a pack and in order sort of take the sticker out in a kind of penalty shootout. And then the crowd would cheer whoever they thought got the better sticker. <laughs> so obviously, you know, if someone gets a Brazil shiny or, you know, half of like a Middlesbrough player, there's no contest. And we thought, this is madness. This is, what are we doing? But it was genuinely, I mean, I've been to a lot of live gigs in my life. I've never <laughs> seen a crowd react that way before. And you sort of go, oh, yeah, because if I was in the crowd, I probably would love and appreciate this. It's so willfully niche and it's so obscure that it taps into such a sort of pure, like that kind of currency of nostalgia is so strong, I think, that I think we just got lucky that the show can plug into that. Oh, that was brilliant. I wish I was there. I mean, that, as you say, that's the type of thing that only 90s football fans would appreciate. But as I said earlier, like you've kind of brought all these lunatics together in one place and it just makes it brilliant. <laughs> Looking out and seeing a kind of sea of forty late 30s to 40-year-old men in football shirts that they had no right to be trying to get on. Uh, there was one guy about two rows back that had this sort of awful Norwich kind of bird poo, yellow bird poo kit, which actually I think oh, is, yeah, yeah. Due, is due a kind of revisionist look back. I think that kit's better than its reputation. But I, I think he was five or six sizes too big for that kit. There was more skin than kit. <laughs> um, it's just a tangent here, but I, I seriously considered buying. Um, it was a pack. It was nine individual packs of. Um, you know Corinthian figures. Oh uh, yeah. So there was there was nine mystery packs of them. So like it was nine individual bags, and you didn't know who was inside each one. And I seriously, because it was thirty quid, and I thought I could buy these, and I could just one more time have the thrill of like opening a bag and seeing who it was. <laughs> I sit on my finger over the button, and I looked across like my son was lying there asleep, and I thought, "Yeah, you're a dad now. He shouldn't do this." But then, and then I actually, I actually forgot about it, and the auction expired. So I do regret it. I obviously, obviously, thinking about it enough to tell you the story now. So. If it ever happens again, I'll, I'll probably just buy them. Recreating those sort of moments of your, your formative years, which, you know, I think it speaks a lot to the fact that the people that are a fan of our show, generally, most of the demographic are a similar age. And it's because, you know, as we've discussed many times on the show, that, that decade, it was the last decade of football before the internet really became a thing that changed everything but also it's when the birth of the premier league and you know the evolution of the game and the money that comes flowing into it and if you grew up 
and you were sort of you know anywhere between five and 15 when that started the way that you sort of process and retain experiences and information is completely different to anyone that's born after it that's obviously going to shape everything about why you love football and what you love about football it doesn't mean you don't love the modern game you know i absolutely love the modern game but i think for a particular demographic that decade just speaks to you and speaks to your love of football in a way that you can't explain it's sort of like you you've drunk the kool-aid or you haven't you're part of this kind of fan club or you aren't yeah i think you've, I think you've nailed it pretty much uh I've thought about this a lot recently with like with every game being on telly and I've been sitting there like, thinking like it's on the telly I've got to watch it and uh, I can't remember I was talking to you the other day I thought wasn't it so much easier in like in the 90s where you had a game on a Sunday at 4 o'clock and every other game was on Saturday at 3 o'clock and you might have had a Monday night game if it was like a you know particularly particularly good weekend and like match of the day was so important it was such a vital part of your week if you if you Saturday night you you had to watch it but now if I've watched the games during the day, I don't even bother watching it. It's, it's sad, really, because it's like Saturday night is much of the daytime, and it's just like yeah, well. it's interesting that it was it was the definition of appointment to view, and you know, depending on what had gone on in that day or what you're up to, you might come home and have no idea the result of your team. Like I, I remember not knowing the result when Manchester United spanked Ipswich nine nil, and sitting down watching that. I remember at like five, I was sort of like giddy with laughter. And then it just kept going and kept going. I was looking around the room. There's no one there with me. Just sort of like, this is, is this happening? Is this real? And, you know, that's a perfect storm of technology, access to the game, this age that you're at. You know, if Man United won 9-0 this week, I'd be like, oh, yeah, great result. But, you know, I still want them to sack Solskjaer. So it just doesn't have <laughs> the same impact. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's another story, which I, I will ask you about actually later on. But just while we're on the subject of uh, of, of quickly Kevin and the guests, um, you've, you've done a great job of getting a huge variety of guests in. So even early doors, you obviously had Miles on talking about my my great love, which is Chapman, on all the way through to Football Manager. You had like sort of uh, Letizia was on, and more recently you've had Jimmy Redknapp on. Who's been the sort of the the best guest for you in terms of value for money, if you like? Oh. Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, I think it's hard to separate the guests who were sort of, you know, part of the DNA of football growing up. So I remember being really nervous meeting James Richardson. Oh, yeah. Because Football Italia, you know, because Football Italia was a huge part of my, you know, every weekend and just a glimpse into what it's sort of, you know, that show was peering into the window of the yeah. biggest football sweep shot up in the world. You know, Batistuta, I was obsessed with Roberto Baggio, like, and meeting him, it was him. And actually, weirdly, the other person who it was that kind of Proustian rush of like going back to that age was um, Clive Tilsley, because um, oh, yeah. obviously his voice is for me is so associated with, you know, you know, 99 and, you know, win the treble. Yeah, of course, and, yeah. You know, so when he said to me, you know, like, oh, hello, Michael, nice to meet you, in that voice, I sort of got goosebumps. Like, I couldn't, like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm sort of, I'm there. I've been transported back to that moment, watching that game and just being absolutely shell-shocked. There are guests where, you know, like Miles, for instance, was a huge thing, you know, sort of bringing it back to Chapman, like, something like yeah, because he was this sort of, for me, he was the face of that game and, you know, the series of games and meeting someone who was just such a lovely, just such a brilliant man and so kind of like smart and generous and kind. It's nice to meet one of your heroes and them not be an idiot, basically. Um, <laughs> 
lots of you know the fo- footballers are footballers they're they're an interesting breed it's tricky to sort of separate a lot of them out in your mind because they mm. it's like someone who's been in the military i always think being a professional footballer you're conditioned from a young age to just be a certain way mentally and to kind of focus on this aspect of your life that when they come out of it most of them are a kind of identikit version of themselves which is why when you get a kind of Pat Nevin or a Graham Masso, who, you know, Graham Masso is a lovely, smart, articulate man. If he wasn't a footballer, he would be completely anonymous. Like he, he doesn't have <laughs> a sort of USB outside of the fact that there aren't footballers that talk and speak and think like that. So I'm sort of always less, you know, I love meeting the footballers, but I'm less interested in them. The ones that really sort of pique my interest are your, your Dermot Gallagher's, the ones where you go, okay, here's a chance to speak to someone who's involved in the game but in a way that probably no one else has ever interviewed them. You know, it's mm. we want to know about the kind of minutiae of what goes on with the referee or, you know, even just a, a commentator. Like, what what does your day involve? Like, literally, second by second, break it down for us because we will never know this. We've never, you know, you know what a footballer's life is now because the access and the exposure is there. But those people that orbit the game, like, you know, I'd love to interview a kit man. Or like do you know do an episode on the people that are involved, the bus driver, the kit man. I wouldn't give them an hour each; that would be madness. But just a kind of speak to those guys who were there. You know, what was it like to be working in the laundry room of Old Trafford in the nineties? You know, what went on? And I'm sort of proud, and, and I think Josh and Chris are the same. Of like, there's no other show out there that would even entertain that as an idea. But again, I think that's that's what's great about it it's looking behind the curtain of this era we all hold in such such great regard um a couple of couple of my points on the guests you've mentioned there so james richardson i hope on is every word and not just because he said nicola Bertie in a great accent but i just thought <laughs> I, same as you i just thought everything about it i didn't know already like when you speak to i don't know paul merson and he tells you about how arsenal won whatever they won you say well yes i kind of know that already and it's been done not to death but you kind of you know how the story ends but with a lot of what he was saying it was totally you know brand new information that we kind of wanted to know in the 90s and now we now we do mark lawrence similar i thought it was excellent value um just for his stories from uh you know jack charlton related world cups and things i thought that was all excellent uh, and also frank skinner i really enjoyed um again Obviously not a not a footballer as such, but kind of people hold him in him and Euro ninety six go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah. And, and you know, that our, our show doesn't exist without Fantasy Football League. You know, we will forever be in the shadow of that. Because it's it's one of the things we talked about when we started creating this was like we want this to feel like you're in the pub or you're in a room with your mates talking about football. We're not going to pretend we know things that we don't because, you know, if you listen to any of the quiz episodes, <laughs> our show, you know, the type <laughs> show, it's riddled with factual inaccuracies and errors because it's about the memory. It's about what do you remember about that? Not, oh, this is these are the stats, this is the data. Because that's, for me, that's not interesting. It's about the stories. Um, I think you probably touched on this earlier on, but if I could ask you to name any guest at all who you'd like on in the future, Aside from a kit man or a bus driver, who would who would it be? Uh, well, I've I've got we sort of built a wish list when we first started it, as you know, a realistic wish list. You know, we're never getting Alex Ferguson as much as I'd love to. I mean, my my sort of big guns, the ones that I'd love when we know this is going to end, um, whenever that is, because you know, I thought we'd be over by now, but we'll probably be running for a few more years yet, which is sort of blessing and a curse. But my dream is when we know it's the end, I'm just going to throw everything at getting. Steve Bruce, David Batty and Kevin Keegan, whatever it takes. 
I feel like the story would be incomplete if we didn't interview those three. Des Lynham would be, you know, an absolute dream. I don't think that's entirely possible. I've sort of heard rumours that he's perhaps not in the best of health, so we haven't we haven't pursued him in that sense. Um, And then the the one for me, obviously, would be Cantona because you know he's far and away my favourite player ever to have played the game. And although Chris and Josh don't have the same connection, to basically meet someone who you know, you idolized and had posters of on your wall and get to interview them in a way that I suspect they probably never have been would be, yeah, that would make all of this worthwhile if it wasn't already. Well, I mean, if you've sat through John Moncur for Chris, I'm sure he can sit through a camp after you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned Kevin Keegan there. It's probably a stupid question, but how many times do you get asked, do you know you've got the quote wrong in the in the title of the podcast? Uh, the first couple of series, I'd say daily, um, even, <laughs> even, even though we addressed it on the show. Yes. Um, but it's, it's the same with anything. It's sort of, you, you know, the bigger your back catalogue gets, you never know when people, what their entry point is. So what we found is, you know, the show might get recommended to someone, they'll listen to the most recent episode and then we'll get a flurry of emails and I'll be like, mate, we addressed that two years ago. Someone will start at the beginning and they'll get to the first quiz that was, you know, nearly three years ago and then I'll get five emails from someone going, um, you got this wrong? I'm like, yeah, okay, mate, you've just <laughs> give it a chance, all right? Because for the next three or four quizzes, I'm going to address that please stop emailing me um but that's the beauty of i think podcasts not just this show but podcasts as a medium is that there's a kind of evergreen feeling to it where you can discover a show weeks months years later go back and consume it and enjoy it because the content's always there and that ability to kind of curate your own library now i think is really exciting and you know the way that people the sort of listening and viewing models are gonna you know are changing and will forever change so that i think it's not long before you only ever watch and listen pretty much what you have chosen to watch i think scheduled tv radio is you know it's dying it will always exist because not everyone wants to go and find something to watch but increasingly i think a sort of more bespoke playlist or watch list or listen list is going to be the way it goes and i think that's a good thing i think i think a core audience that's smaller but more loyal is much better than a mass audience who probably aren't as engaged yeah i think you're totally right i think it's inevitable that certainly tv will go that way um radio may get a state of execution just because i think it's about to depend on the station certain channels are listened to by a certain audience anyway who probably aren't going to go out and find you know bbc sounds and listen to Listen to Ken Bruce in advance. They'll just wait for him um, yeah. every day at whatever time he's on. So we'll see how that how that goes. But no, I think you you are right with that. Um, just to finish with, then, Michael, um, where can people find Quickly Kevin, um, the podcast, the website, the the everything? Uh, I guess Quickly Kevin, the podcast is on you know wherever you get your podcasts. I think most people are obviously on iTunes, but it's on Spotify, Google Play, any of those. Just literally Google. Uh, quickly kevin and yeah you'll, you'll you'll find it there if you want to become a member of the fan club head over to uh, patreon.com forward slash quickly kevin if you want to invest three years of your life into the masterpiece of the steve bruce uh, steve barnes trilogy and hopefully by that point i've managed to secure the rights so i can make a film of it but you know we'll see <laughs> imagine that see it's it's, it's annoying because like when you start all this steve bruce wasn't our manager and now he is and it's like yeah he's an absolute moron <laughs> Andy's our manager, whereas before he was just a moron. So, <laughs> how do you feel about him as a Newcastle fan? I don't hate him as a person because I think he probably is an alright bloke. Like I get the impression he gets on well with everyone, um, but that's not really what you want in this day and age. Like 
he doesn't have a clue about tactics. He doesn't really do all all the things that modern managers do to be good. He's just like, well, lads, you know, if you're winning, you can have a day off, and if you lose, it's extra training. Yeah, that's how I feel about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Yeah, well, I think both will be lucky to be in a job by the end of the season for yeah. very different reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what don't you like about Solskjaer? Just not, not, not qualified enough? Or? Uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's not qualified for the job. I mean, I love him as a player, obviously. I mean, he was a fantastic player for us um, and, you know, scored that goal. But his biggest managerial achievement in English football was getting Cardiff relegated. He was very much, I mean, this is way off topic, but he was very much hired to steer the ship till the end of that season and had we lost the PSG in that game he would not be there and it will break my heart if someone like Pochettino or even like Nagelsmann gets another job before he gets fired because I think managers that are a good fit for a club that you can see doing something and you know the the dynasty era is over you know Fergie and Wenger and those guys you know that's that's gone but there are managers who you know are a good fit for your club and they don't come around very often, you know, took Arsenal a long time to find someone who is right for them. You know, Liverpool took more than 20 years to get Klopp and find Klopp and find someone who was right. And I think someone like Pochettino, I could see doing a really good job at United, but he's not going to be unemployed forever. And I think that's the real shame is is if you lose, it's that sort of what if. He must be waiting though, like someone of his calibre could have taken another job by now he must have been tall like it's it's coming sooner or later I, I i hope so but we at board level have a history of making the right appointment too late so who knows well that's it who knows but uh i mean i'll be you'll be newcastle's manager by christmas but uh well there's a good chance of that if yeah if you get bought out and someone offers enough money and says yeah do you want 200 million to build a team in your image why would you not well because it's really cool up here michael that's why <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thanks ever so much for coming on. Really enjoyed talking to you. Um, Pleasure. Obviously, everyone looking forward to the the, um, the live show. Or I look forward to the live show. It would depend on when people hear this. But um, anyway, go and check it out. We'll be, we'll be playing 97, 98. There's another two quarterfinals to come at some point in the future. So obviously, get caught up before then. But uh, in the meantime, I will keep making great podcasts. And uh, I'll speak to you again soon. Lovely. Cheers, mate. That was a great, uh, great chat with Michael there. Um, Ross, I've got to ask you: if you were, if you were able to book any guest from the nineties, who would you have? Yeah, I mean it's tricky. Like I'd, I'd, I'd immediately go to David Batty, but I don't know if he'd be great value for a, a podcast because not the most talkative of men, and I mean didn't really like football either. So I don't know how much of a great guest he'd make. No, I mean Batty's um, obviously. A, comes up a lot in quickly kevin and it's sort of like the more you the more you find out the less you know him it's uh yeah but i think we'd both get something out of that as well for the leeds and newcastle times and yeah yeah i mean you he he played in the champions league with us yeah and pro- probably you as well actually um uh, poss- possibly yeah, not, yeah the night three night well, four well, season yeah well, when did he come back to you that must have been close to when he was that back was, in the Champions was League, O'Leary's first signing when he returned, and he played in that Champions League run as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, he's just a Champions League veteran, David. But yeah, we haven't given, we haven't given him enough credit. No, I've just downloaded a, uh, a Football Manager twenty um, ninety nine two thousand database actually, and he's on there. He's, he's my captain, obviously. Oh, I'd hope so. Yeah, he's got some wonderful stats. Uh, but anyway, that's off topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great interview uh, with Kevin uh, with um, with Michael. Sorry, and 
yeah, I mean, if you don't already listen to the podcast, what are you doing? Why aren't you listening to the podcast? It's, it's really good. It's um, it's it is a utopia for someone like me who mm. is just you know totally into nineties football. Didn't they have um, Andy Towns on on recently? Didn't they? Yeah, he's um, this week's guest. Yeah. Um, and again, like I never thought Andy Townsend was good crack, but it turns out yeah. he it is. So. <laughs> exactly, Andy Townsend <laughs> did not um, kind of give away this sort of personality. No, no, it's it's, it's uh, it was very surprising. But no, they they do get a, a good variety of guests on, and uh, I say if you're into nineties football, it's, it's well worth a listen. Yeah, it's brilliant stuff. Um, so we're going to go straight into our, our sex, second interview. Um, the this one with Mark Carruthers, who is a journalist of all things non-league in your area. Yeah, he's um, minor celebrity up here in the northeast. Um, so certainly around the non-league clubs, they all, they all know Mark very well. Um, when we recorded this the, with the second round draw of the FA Cup, sorry, the first round draw of the FA Cup, which just happened. Obviously, that's just taken place this weekend, which gives you an idea of the uh, the, the time we've, we've been trying to put this together. Um, but you know, no spoilers. Um, it went well for Darlington and no one else. But never mind. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll get straight into that, and we'll be back uh, to in a minute with the lockdown channel. I'm joined now by Mark Carruthers, who you may know from our various Championship Manager tournaments over the years, but he's here tonight to talk about, well, a bit of everything, really. So, Mark, welcome along. Thanks for having me. Uh, you, what you should have said there is you may know Mark from absolutely failing at all of our Championship Manager tournaments. Well, that's true. I was trying to be kind. But, but, <laughs> don't be. Don't be. But, I, I th- <laughs> but I think you're one of our few ever-presents. I think you've played every tournament we've had. Um which is, you know, from my point of view, I'm very grateful to you. But um, I think your chance came and went with um, your run as Brazil in World Cup '98. I think that was uh, that was your big your big chance to get your hands on some silverware. I'm still bruised, still bruised by that. I still feel for. You. I mean, that moment when Ronaldo went off injured was pretty much akin to, <laughs> to when he when he went off in the warm up in the actual tournament. Um, it, was, it was. Only he didn't he didn't quite resurface for you. But uh, <laughs> never mind. Your time will come, Mark. I'm sure. Um, People outside of the Northeast might not know you as well as we do, but just to get everyone in the loop, you are the Sun and Echoes non-league man. Um, you are Mr. Non-League as far as I'm concerned. I mean that in a good way. I don't mean, you know, <laughs> you'll never aspire to be a league club, Mark. Um, now, um, tell us about um, what you do and how you got into you know the non-league scene. Yeah, so I'm, I'm technically uh, freelance, to be honest. Um, so cover uh, non-league um, in the northeast, for a number of papers on, on both sides of the time, um, I'll, I'll list them. So it's, it is, as you said, there the Sunderland Echo, probably one I'm, I may be best known for, um, and the Shields Gazette, the Hartlepool Mail, the Journal, and the Chronicle, which is sort of Newcastle uh, side of the the Times, uh, and the Sunday Sun, which has a big um, non-league section on a Sunday. <clears throat> um, so yeah, uh, but I also write for the non-league paper. But I've done a few other bits as well, sort of covering Newcastle um, United at times. I've done a few little stories on them. Um, same with Sunderland, tends to be the, the under 23s. Um, so it's great, that, you know. I, lo- I love my job. It's uh, it's an absolute dream to do. But I got into it by working as a, a volunteer press officer at, uh, at Bly Spartans, who are, of course, one of our most famous non-league clubs, um, famous for their FA Cup giant killings of the past and not so distant past mm. um 
And from there, I went to work at, at Non-League Daily. I got off the job of editor of the nonleaguedaily.com website, uh, which was great. It introduced me to the non-league scene kind of around the country rather than just the northeast. Um, had some great experience there, interviewing some pretty high high-profile figures, um, and then got off the chance to to cover the, the non-league scene in the northeast for the Chronicle and go freelance, and then the the Sunderland Echo side for the year later. So. Um, it's been a been a great experience, and I've had loads of little offshoots of, of that as well, working in, in radio and uh, on on TV as well. So it's been it's been quite a quite a journey. I realise how fortunate I am, but uh, it's been quite a journey. Yeah, and I think it's you know totally fair play to you because it's people like yourself who who you know really make the non-league scene what it is. Because um, you know these games happen up and down the country every Saturday at three o'clock, but without people like you bringing it to the attention of the wider scale audience, then you know, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know what happened at well, Blythe, an example last weekend, or you know, mm-hmm. where, where else you want to be. So, I think you're a vital part of the the cog in bringing North North and non league coverage around the the northeast and of course anywhere else. When in your previous roles, um, I think it, 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 it's interesting because some people some people do look down their noses at non league, and, and but I do think in the last sort of maybe four or five years, there's been a um, uh, maybe a difference in opinion towards non-league or a change of opinion, I should say, where people realise there are talented players in here and y- you look at the way Vardy's obviously the, the, the boring, overused example of it, but there are so many players playing the Premier League now that have that have come through non-league clubs or spent time at non-league clubs. And I think was it that stat that was four or five from the England squad last time out were have either started non-league or have spent time in non-league on loan or at clubs, including I think Dominic Carver-Lewin spent time in, at a couple of clubs in the in the northwest. Yeah, I think that rings a bell. Actually, yeah, it's, um, I was going to ask you about this actually because um, I feel like non-league is getting more and more maybe popular is not the word, but people are going back to non-league non-league routes because of sort of disenchantment with how the modern game's going. Um, would you say that was fair? Absolutely, I think. Um, you know, let's be honest. Um, a lot of things that have gone on with the Premier League over the last two to three years, and probably even you know the last two to three months, we could name some. Uh, just means people have become maybe disenfranchised with, with with it, and there's a there's no connection between players and and supporters. Whereas it non-league, as harsh as it is at the minute, you know, with with supporters not really allowed into games in, in great numbers, you are sort of seeing how important these supporters are to non-league clubs and if I'm honest how important these non-league clubs are for supporters I know a number of people I know who are heavily involved at non-league clubs but can't go at the moment they're um, they're they're suffering for not going the the miss it is their their release on a Saturday afternoon Mm. as much much a release as it is in the Premier League so it's it's great to see the the rise of non-league and to see how um, as a mainstream would be a terrible way of putting it, wouldn't it? But uh, I know, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's becoming more and more popular, and long may that continue. Indeed, um, we'll come back around to sort of the, the real world in a, in a couple of minutes' time. But for now, let's just talk about Championship Manager, um, and then obviously later Football Manager. But how did how did it all start for you? Can you remember when you first got into Championship Manager when you first played it? I can, yeah. So I never really had a, um, a PC at home until I was in my teens. But uh, one of my mates I went to school with, Chris Kane, he had, um, oh, would have been 95, so what would that have been, Championship Manager 
2, I think. Uh, yeah, that was the first. Uh, yeah. 95, 96 was the first um, Zoom 2. So, so play on that um, as his, but obviously it's different when you've got your own. I think probably the first one I really, really got into was uh, 97, 98, which <laughs> fits in quite nicely with, uh, <laughs> with, with, with yourself. Um, just just fell in love with it straight away. I'd always, I remember when, when I had a spectrum and my dad sort of 10 years earlier was playing on games like um, uh, Football Manager and stuff like that. And I think there was one called Soccer Box or something like that. But uh, I'd always been intrigued by management games, even though like the, the, the Super Nintendo I had Kevin Keegan play a manager, which was a, a, a decent uh, a decent management game. But yeah, Championship, which was the one that really took it up a notch and uh, you know just fell in love with it, let's be honest. There's so many great aspects to that game, so many um, untapped players that became sort of cult heroes, didn't they really, let's be honest. Um it was just just out there, and I, I, I loved the stuff, but the reality of it as well. The fact that you know, seeing Alan Shearer start the game with six or seven months out injured with the broken ankle that he suffered that season, the little bits of attention to detail. It's just, um, yeah, I spent many an hour on it, um, or probably better say, many a day on it. <laughs> yeah, too true, but. <laughs> You're right, and I think ninety seven ninety eight was the, was the first one that was really, you know, took it that next level of knowing. You know, as you say, things like starting the, the game with with certain injuries preloaded, but obviously the ability to have three leagues on the go from a choice of yeah. nine, it was a management nerd's paradise, really, wasn't it? After you'd had all these all these sort of things in your head of what you'd like to do on a game, and you you know I'd love to manage in Italy and Spain at the same time, and when you know all of a sudden you can. Yeah. Um, so it, it opened up so many different options, um, which was, which was, uh, which was great. Um, and I think it's it's great that, that game still holds some attention to this day and age, which leads us nicely on to where we're going next. Which is, um, you ran the virtual FA Vars, um, <laughs> sort of bringing your two worlds together there. So you had, I suppose we'd start with anyone who doesn't know the the Vars. Could you explain the FA Vars just to? Yeah, so, so the FA Vars is basically, um, it's, a, it's a national competition for clubs um, that are below step four of the non-league pyramid. So that's um, step four is the Northern Premier League, the Southern League, and the Eastman League. But below that, you have uh, leagues like the Northwest Counties, the, the Northern League, um, the Southern Combination League. So, the, you know, it is kind of your, your part-time clubs. Um, they play in a national competition. And the finals played at Wembley this year, or last year, I should say. Now, uh, we were fortunate enough to get two northeast teams in the final. That was Heaven, Heaven Town, and Concert. Uh, but sadly, thanks to uh, the current situation with COVID, um, that final is still waiting to be played. Although the FA have said that they are absolutely committed to to playing on it, uh, playing the game. However, with with your your kind help, uh, we were able to um, to play the final on on. Uh, on Championship Manager ninety seven ninety eight, and uh, it was quite a quite a thrilling game in the end. I think it was. It was good fun to put together, and I was pleased. Um, you know that yourself and the and the was it, it was the Shield that wasn't it, to put it together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and they, you know, they could have chosen any management game really, but to pick ninety seven ninety eight, I was very pleased they did. A bit, a bit of nostalgia, and uh, <laughs> you know, I think it, it it does as he said there. It's got a bit of a, a special place in, in many people's you know minds that. I think 
people of a certain age, shall we say, who grew up with it through their teens. Yeah. Um, but no, they did a live blog on it as well, which is quite, we did it as if, as if it was in real time um, across the, the you know 90 minutes, which was, was great. And um, it did seem to, it did seem to pick up quite a bit of interest, which was uh, which was really interesting. We did have some detractors, but we'll not focus on them. There's enough negativity in the world at the moment, but uh, no, it seemed to be on the large on the whole. Sorry, uh, well received. That's good. And was, did you get any comments from the players involved or anything like that? Or got comments from the clubs, believe it or not. There was a few people at the clubs, obviously uh, concert who who got beaten that game. I think it was a three-two. I think it was. Yeah. It was, uh, it was close uh, I'm sure Heaven were three 0 up inside half an hour. Concert came back. The lad who who scored twice for Concert in the game, uh, Dale Pearson, he did message me asking, um, uh, making many a comment about it. That you know, hopefully it won't be that way at Wembley and stuff like that. Heaven seemed overjoyed naturally. Uh, <laughs> fairly certain, fairly certain they thought they were going to receive some sort of cup, but they just received admiration that was it um but uh yeah so there, there was genuinely players in the game um or who would be playing in the game getting involved in the blog and um i think dale actually may well have provided me with quotes for for the uh pre-match and post-match um as did kevin bowler who is the, the heaven town manager so it went out really well um which was great well hopefully as you say the real one can get played how, how will it work in terms of Obviously, they made the final technique sort of last season. How will it work for players who perhaps moved on from those clubs? Were they, have they just missed the opportunity, or is there some sort of... Yeah, basically, their, their, their time's gone. Um, so what the, what the FA did for the semi-finals, which were technically played this season, um, they actually did it where both clubs could register, uh, I think it was two additional players, Um that they'd signed over the summer and the kind of the only stipulation they put in was that they couldn't have played against any of the other semi-finalists in the Vols. So if their club that they were at had been knocked out by one of the other semi-finalists, they could be registered. But I don't think any of the clubs involved had that issue. So um, so they were all right in that sense. But um, I gather that's what they would do for the final as well. It'd be the same sort of same sort of ruling. But players who left in the summer can't come back. Um, obviously, they've all found new clubs now, so they wouldn't. Um, I, I dare say that new clubs wouldn't really want them to play in a game where they could get injured. No, pro- probably not. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, there's been generous and there's you know <laughs> putting your assets on the line. But um, yeah. on the subject of the Vars, then um, we have to talk about uh, your book, um, Northern Goal, um, behind the the Northeast FA success stories. How did this come about? How did you put it together? Um, much like any uh, good idea, it came about in a pub. Um, <laughs> uh, it was before a game, uh, before North Shields game. So the week, the week before this this game, um, I'd interviewed two two players who were FA Vosmers with Newcastle Blue Star back in nineteen seventy eight. So they were the uh, first ever Northeast winners of, of the FA Vos. Um, and I was talking to one of my friends at this North Shields game about it and. Uh, told him the story and he, he was asking about the North East history in it. You know, we've had um, uh, nine different clubs have won it, uh, 12, 12 different uh, finals because uh, Whitley Bay have won it, won it four times. Um, and we started go- going through a few stories um, in each each one. Uh, and he just said, you know, I think you might have, there might be a book in this. And we sort of laughed about it and then 
couple of pints later, I actually went, you know what, actually, you might be right. Maybe maybe I should do something. And it all came from that. Um, so jotted down a few ideas for uh, one story from each, each winning side. Um, identified one individual to speak to. And it's kind of just their story of the route to the final, you know, little stories around what happened on the, in the final and um, their, their winner's story, as it's as termed yeah, on the front yeah. of the book. So, yeah, it's gone um, it's gone really well, if I'm honest. It's gone a lot better than I thought it would. And I still get messages now on, on Twitter. I got one on Sunday from someone saying um, that they had just finished it uh, and absolutely loved it, which was great. It's, it's um, It was a pleasure to write, and uh, it's great to see people still enjoying it. Very much so, yeah, and of course Christmas is just around the corner, so may as well give it a little plug. But where can people pick it up just while we're, while we're on the subject? Uh, yes, you can pick it up on uh, on Amazon. That's the only place it's uh, it's actually available because they uh, they actually published it. So I self-published through through Amazon, which was, was great. So you can pick it up on there. Um, and you know it's not going to be sad because I can't remember how much I priced it at. It's eleven ninety nine, um, So you can get eleven ninety nine for the uh, for the paperback and I think the digital download is only 99 pence now for, for Kindles and other handheld devices that are available. Well, I've probably given it away, Mark. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think it's probably for the best it's available on Amazon because we can't go anywhere else. So no, that's true. <laughs> we'll make that's the most true. of that. Um, I was going to ask you about non-league players um, who, who still play Champman, and I ask this, no one fine well, there's at least one per, one who does, because <laughs> I helped you with a little feature we did for him, but um, is it like a regular thing? If it, is, 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 I think it's Paul, who who um, was or is playing 97, 98, is he the one and only, or is it quite a regular thing? No, I would say there's, there's quite a few, just being Paul, or the only one's brave enough, this is Paul Robinson, um, who I was going to say, uh, played for North Shields, but he's now playing for Ashton. Um But yeah, he, he was one of the guys who won the FA Vars three times, he Um He is a massive championship manager fan, uh, loves 97, 98, we used to have, well, we still do have conversations about it, um, and conversations about the, the current game as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think there are many a player will play it, and I think we saw that when we did that virtual Vars final, the amount of players who mentioned that they used to play on it then. So um, the one thing that obviously that one didn't have that you do have now is that there are non-league, non-league players and non-league clubs in Football Manager now, which... Um, is uh, is exciting um, when it goes down to the second tier of, of non-league football, but uh, it's better than nothing. Yeah, well, we had um, Paul the Northman on last month, who you, you may not know, but he, um, he is planned to play a game of Shildon when the new game comes out because someone has made, made a patch that goes, uh, I think you said eight steps down the non-league ladder? That'll be yeah, right. it will be uh, five. Probably five. Yeah. Um, well, maybe goes a bit, sh- bit deeper than that, but um, still sh- not in the northern league. So that's the the fifth tier of non league. Oh well, I mean, I was just blown away by the fact that someone would would you know go to that length of detail with non league. But I guess it comes back to what we were saying before, where it's kind of it's becoming like a like a niche little following. The people it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. Um, and if people are willing to make you know football manager databases for it, then I think that can only help because we've had loads of stories over the years of people. You know, following a team because of their football manager exploits with them, um, and again, people love taking teams from the very bottom to the very top. So, to be able to do it on an even larger scale, I think uh, would be would be even more of a challenge. Well, I think going back to ninety seven, ninety eight, I do remember 
doing a, a, jo- a joint game as joint managers with uh, one of my school friends where we took over a bonus and um, took them up to, to the Premier League and, and, and did pretty well with them. Because, um, of course, in that one, I think they had Sean Devine, who was one of, one of the... Uh, Sort of hidden gems at that level. He, he, he is a mighty man on that game. Yes, he certainly was uh, a, a regular goal scorer in in real life and uh, in, a, in a digital form as well. <laughs> um, would you, if I was to say, you know, shut your eyes and tell us five champ man players who immediately spring to mind? Who would you, who would you come back with? Well, my number one, I think, I think you know what's coming here because pretty much every conversation we have, he comes up would be uh, one of the hidden gems on on ninety seven, ninety eight, which would would be uh, Bjorn Hedenstrom, mm-hmm. um, Leighton Orient, uh, centre back or, or defensive midfielder or midfielder. Um, I think you could pick him up for next to nothing, fifty k possibly. Yeah, about that. Uh, and, and and could literally play in any team in the world. I, I do remember having him in my side at. Um, at Barcelona and clubs like that when I was there um, and, and never looked out of place. Uh, then I, I kind of, I'm going for the sort of the hidden gems rather than the obvious ones, but um, there'll be, there'll be Tommy Swindle Larson as well. He was the one that I think everyone used to sign. Um, was he Norwegian? I found he certainly had him in my, had him in my Norway team. <laughs> you did. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, the least said about that, the better. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he was always a good one. I always remember being intrigued when he signed with the Premier League, but Nicholas Alexanderson, who was, um, for me, was as versatile as Luis Enrique was in that game because he could play literally anywhere except in goal. Um, and you could pick him, him up for next to nothing. Then there's the, the kind of ones at the top end of the game that everyone always remembers. I think um, Ibrahim Abakiogo was always one that, that stood out, wasn't it? He was uh, someone that I think everyone knew was guaranteed goals on it. Um, uh, who would my last one be? I'll, I'll go for another um, lesser known one. I think Mark Emmers, Belgian midfielder, oh, centre yeah. midfielder. Um, used to always pick him up on a free transfer. I don't know why that stands out, but he was someone who could play in the Premier League and you could get him in for next to nothing in terms of money and uh, in terms of wages and, and obviously uh, on a free transfer as well. So is that five? I think that's five. Yeah, that's five. No, um, I always tell the story about Mark Emmers, but he's, he's on a free because uh, when they were putting him in the database, one messed up his, um, well, firstly his name, but also his club. So. They put they put Perugia with two R's, um, <laughs> and they end up obviously the game was recognised that, so we put one free. They tried to rectify that in the patch, and uh, so there's now there's two Mark Emmers if you play the patch game. One's at Perugia with no position, so he can be absolutely anything, but he's also rubbish. <laughs> and then there's a good one who's I think he's a minor team or something like that, but he's the one you want for three hundred grand. So there you go, bit, I, of, bit I, of trivia think, for you. I think there was uh, Eric Neverland was always handy on a free as well, because um, he went to Manchester United, didn't he? Um, he was always pretty handy up, up, up top if he needed another option uh, on a free. Yeah, Eric Neverland was, was was brilliant. He, um, him, and obviously John Curtis, and to be honest, most of the Man United under twenty ones. Um, if you can get hold of any of them early doors, you'll have them for for a long time. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're outstanding. I think as far as the research went, they so, saw you know these these lads play for Man United youth team. <laughs> they've got a they've got a track record of being good. So um, let's just put all our eggs in that basket. To be fair, a lot of them did go on to play in the Premier League. Maybe just didn't, didn't experience the the class of '92 level. Well, that's the problem. Success. Like, the problem was the class of '92 was like 23, 24 years old by the time these guys were coming through, so they had no chance of really uprooting no. them. 
Um, so I think they did as well as they could. But um, the you know John Curtis was never going to knock Gary Neville out of the right back slot or or you know Yapstam out the centre half position or you know whoever was was in there at the time. Um, but he still had a very good Premier League career, nevertheless. Um, it's going to just change tack to something else you're involved with. Um, uh-huh. We had uh, we had we had Tony Jameson on last last month talking about the the game and how it helped him in in terms of mental health and that sort of thing. Um, and you're an ambassador for If You Care Share, which um, is a what would you say a mental health charity? Is it? It is. It is. Yeah. So it's a. It's, um... It, it's actually a, um, a, a suicide prevention charity, so uh, I don't mind being completely open and honest here about my own experience. I um, ten years ago, actually, um, back on New Year's Eve, two thousand nine, um, I was in a really dark place, um, probably the darkest place I've ever been in my life, comfortably. Actually, I say that, um, and and came close to, to take my own life. I was ready to do it. I had a bottle of alcohol and a, a lot of pills ready to do that. And uh, one friend rang me as I was sat there, um, said that, you know, she'd, she'd noticed something was wrong with me and um, did I need a chat? And we had a chat and I told her what was happening. She kind of pulled me around. Um, so I always look back to that being my darkest time. I can say now I'm... You know, in a far better place. I'm happily married, and you know, I've got two two amazing kids, and love my job, and you know, life's uh, going going pretty good for me now. But looking back to that, and I think of what I could have missed out on, um, it, it really hit me. So when, if you care, share, I got involved with them through a campaign that they've got called Inside Out, which is uh, run in in conjunction with um, World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, it is a, a, a social media campaign where they ask people to wear an item of clothing inside out to get the photo taken, use the relevant hashtags, which, which is inside out, and, and put the photos on the Twitter, Instagram, uh, or Facebook. And it's all to do with, you know, getting what's on the inside out and getting that conversation started, getting people to ask you why you're wearing uh, your clothes inside out to, to try and start conversations on, on, on mental health. And, um, they're an amazing charity, and I'm, I'm so honoured to be an ambassador for them. Um, I've seen the work that they do firsthand, and it's just uh, they're, they're so inspirational. Um, they go into into colleges, into schools, into football clubs or sports clubs, and work with young people uh, in those uh, just to, to educate them on looking after their mental health, to promote well-being. Um, they are just a, just a wonderful charity. They are, and um, of course, you know, I've seen you firsthand helping some members of the, you know, Twitter or the, even the CM community. If you want to go a bit more specifically with, no, no, say similar issues, but they were, you know, they, they've been in dark places, and I've seen you swoop in and, you know, do what you can to try and save them over over 140 characters. So, you know, I think it's um, it, it's 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 great to see, you know, your your, your ambassadorial role is. Oh, it's it's good to represent the charity, but also you you're giving a bit back to to that charity as well, which I think is brilliant. Um, I, I just I just think sorry, just that you know life's tough enough at the minute the way things are going, and you know everything that's going on, and our, our kind of boundaries have been limited by 
what's going on. So we need to be there for each other however we can, whether it's on social media, whether it's a phone call, whatever it is. Um, and I think I, I think at the start of lockdown, I actually said, look, and I'm going to check the hour still, but I did say at the time that my DMs would be open for for anyone who wanted to chat, and, and it remains very much that way. I'm fairly certain they are still open. So if anyone does need a chat, then you know, feel free to, to get in touch, and we're going to have a conversation over there. That's very good of you. And um, would you say that when you were um, sort of, you know, trying to trying to focus a bit more on on you know getting getting back to where you want to be, did you find the game as like a useful a useful tool for for helping with that, helping to give a bit of escape, escapism from you know the real world? Or so I would say back back then, I had I had two escapes. One was um, I was coaching at the time. I was coaching grassroots football, um, and I've actually written about that for the the football pink. Um, but there was also, yeah, absolutely football manager by that point, um, where you could kind of escape into this virtual world. And um, what I loved about back then was that it's still, um, you could still use your your imagination to to figure out what was going on in the pitch. I think by that point it was still, you know, the little um, the little discs on the two D engine rather than what they've got now. Um, so you can still imagine, you know, if someone scores a goal from 25 yards, how it would look in, in real life and all that. And I love that. And it just kind of helped you immerse yourself into this this virtual world where everything was okay and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't what was going on in the real world. So I, I did spend many a time uh, using as as an escape route and um, just losing losing myself in the game. And uh, do you still have time to play any of the versions now, either you know the most recent or any of the old champs or anything like that? Are, are you still involved? Or? I'm I'm still on the well the most recent live version. Obviously, we are eagerly anticipating the the release of of 21. Um, but I am. I, I don't mind saying I haven't been on it for a few months. But uh, before this, I did load it up uh, to to just double check what my most recent game is. I'm currently on uh, FM20 with with Everton, but it is a bit of a a career game where I started out the gate, got them into the football league, um, inexplicably got a job in Spain, but then came back to Everton. Um, I've had a couple of seasons with Everton with a, a larger youthful squad um, and got them into the, I think they were, I'm sure they were 19th when I took over, um, but got them away from relegation um, and, and got them into the top half of the table. Then my second season qualified for Europe for the, the Europa League or whatever it's called on, on here. <laughs> um, uh, finishing, finishing fifth, just missed out last day of the season in the Champions League. And then, uh, yeah, at the minute I'm sat, I think still in fifth, actually, so haven't really progressed. And do you have anything lined up for the new one? Have you got a team in mind to take on, or are you, um, are you just keeping your powder dry for now? I, I think it's one of those. I, I, I don't know. I, I normally like to try and start with a non-league club, and, and obviously one of the ones that I, I cover, which would limit it to... Uh, one of the National League North teams, so that would be either uh, Spending World, Darlington, Gateshead or Blythe Spartan, so it will be one of those four, I'd imagine, um, to start with. Um, and then from there, who knows? Who knows? There's plenty of interesting stories around us. They've got stuff like Harrogate Town, who've just got in the Football League. It would be quite interesting to take them or Barrow. Um, uh, could, I, could I force myself to work under Mike Ashley again, whatever version of Mike Ashley there is on? On football managers in, in 21, if it is still Mike Ashley by the time it comes out, who knows? Um, 
but yeah, I, I think it'll probably be a non-league club. I do like, I do tend to start in non-league, um, and then at some point we'll move into the the bigger leagues. Yeah, I've been talking about last month. I was talking about doing um, like a, almost a real time save. So the idea is I'd load it up and you know I'd just do that day. So whatever I need to do that day, I just get done, and then that'll be it. Save it and go on, and that, that's going to be my cure for not having you know all the hours in the world to, to plug into it like I used to. Um, and it's been a month and I haven't taught myself out of it yet, so that might that might still be a thing. Um, I'm considering being Queen of the South because they, they, they play at Hamden Park, right? So my theory is all you got to do is get promoted a couple of times and you've got this 50,000-seater ready to go, ready to be filled with, you know, rampant Queen of the South fans. Can I, can I throw a spanner in the works? I would love it if you did. I'm fairly certain it's not, it's not Queen's Park. All right, well, maybe Queen's Park. Look, I haven't researched this, <laughs> right? Someone plays at Hamden Park who's a league club. I, I, think it, I think it may well be Queen's Park. I'm, I'm certain. I apologise in advance if I'm not. I'm going to look. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to look now. Um, oh, man, I had a great pun lined up as well if I was going to be Queen of the South. Um, it doesn't actually help what the stadium's called. But I'm fairly certain it's not there. However, Queen of the South are called the Dune Hammers, which I quite like. I like that. Um, See, that, um, that right itself. I might just move, <laughs> might just move Queen of the South to Hamden Park. <laughs> should do, should do. <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's... Uh, I am looking forward to the new one. And I, I love the sort of trying to find, you know, the, the wonder kids. And more so when the country is regens. I think that's always um, an exciting... An exciting... Although they're not really regens, are they? Um, that's the wrong term, um, but when you do get you know, new players coming through, um, it's always exciting getting your scouts out there and trying to identify them. Yeah, that's it. I think. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I love the older games, but uh, there's still a, a charm about the newer ones, and I, I appreciate. I, I mean, I'm never going to have the hours to plug in, you know, like I used to. But like I say, if I just break it up in a small amount. I think I could. Re- I think I'd rekindle that magic. Well, I've got um, on the Everton game. I've got a, a player. An Italian striker who's only 21. He's worth nearly 50 million already, and um, he's got five-star potential, five-star ability. So he's uh, he's absolutely flying for me at the moment, which is which is nice. And I got him from Milan for about eight million, and he's uh, he's just developed from there. So, but there's there's I've got so many players in the squad that are um, you know below sort of 23, and ones that have me scouts have, have found and uh, just trying to develop them and. But also keep hold of them because the, the you know this, this Italian lad he's called Rigamonti he's got like Real Madrid, uh, Man United, and Borussia Dortmund on him so I could face a, a battle on my hands. Yeah, well I hope I hope, hope Everton have got their new stadium. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I think I'm fairly certain I saw because I, I am trying to reacquaint myself with this with this game. I'm fairly certain that I'm uh, waiting on. Planning permission for a new stadium. Um, that sounds about right. I mean, that Everton well, stadium. I used to remember one night. I think it was Chapman ninety nine two thousand, where Everton would sometimes move to King's Dock. Uh, and that was what twenty years ago. So they've obviously been waiting yeah. a while. <laughs> so, so uh, future stadium plans, stage planning permission, uh, plan capacity fifty two and a half thousand. So yeah, still win. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Sooner or later. Um, Mark, I've, I've enjoyed talking to you tonight. Um, what? Uh, where can people find you on the Twitter and the other things? 
Um, so you, you can find me on um, on Twitter at Mark Crothers underscore. Uh, that's the same with my Instagram. Um, I do have a Facebook journalist page. Um, a lot of copy on I'm not sure how you find that other than putting in Mark Crothers. Um, it may well come up, but there are many others. Um, also in terms of uh, the Sunday Network coverage, just to give that a quick plug, uh, we do have a, a non-league style match of the day show on there uh, where we have two guests who go through all of the goals from the weekend. Uh, that probably comes out on a Tuesday, so we're recording that first thing tomorrow morning. That should be on the Sunday Network website tomorrow. Um, we've only been done it. This is the sixth one we've done this season, and it seems to be going down pretty well. So if you fancy having a check of that and, and seeing what the, the local non-league scene is like up here, uh, feel free. Absolutely. And do you say someone called you the, the non-league Gary Lineker last week? <laughs> um, yeah, they did. Yeah, um, did, I, I, I was. I've, did, I've never, I've never done anything on a pitch. If that's what I was going to ask. Did you soil yourself beforehand, or? <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't have that. Well, sure. there you go. You're officially better than Gary um, Lineker. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when someone said it, I did say it. Um, I've never actually done that on a pitch. But anyone who's seen me play would know that I've been pretty pretty crap on a pitch. So well, you actually used to play six aside like before we on before us on a Sunday night. I'm sure it was. Uh, yeah, yep. I'm yeah, sure it was you, you and the other media lads. So yeah, not not very well though. Well, well, well you know, people in glass houses, Mark. I won't, <laughs> <laughs> I won't comment on that, but you know. <laughs> There you go. Our, apparently, our football career is run deep. Um, <laughs> yeah, not not deep enough for my sense. No. Uh, Mark, thanks again for uh, for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll catch you soon. Thanks for having me. So thanks to Mark for that uh, very very open and honest chat with us. Um, it's, uh, it is amazing what uh, what this game has, has done to people over over the years. Not just football manager, champ manager, but you know the game of football in, in general. It's, uh, it's it's kept a lot of people uh, a lot of people going. Um, it's certainly, a release, in isn't it? An escape. It is. It, it really is. Um, I don't know about you, Ross, but I mean, I've, I've never been in the same situation as, as Mark. But no. I just think back over my time in any sort of major milestone in my life. I think yeah. you know, that's I first moved out, went to uni. Sort of, you know, the door closed when your parents went home and dropped all this stuff off, and you thought, well, what I'll do is I'll play football manager. Uh, yeah, that's you know, it's just one of those things where like it's it's always been there in every everything I've I've done in life. I remember my first day at a proper job. Um, I'd basically been off all summer playing football manager. Came home having worked, you know, full a full day for the first time in my life, pretty yeah. much, and uh, had a bit of tea and just, just play football manager. Like it's it's just something I always I always remember. It's it's very odd, really. It's just. The it's more a you trusty fullback, isn't it? It's a friend that's always going to be there for you, no matter what you, um, what, what's going on. You can just load it up, and kind of that world, your your players, your favourite little players, they'll just be there for you. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 certainly it seems to be that way. The more you think about, it, the more you realise how you know it's, it's it's been released every year, non-stop. There's never had a break for nearly thirty years now, um, which is just remarkable, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is kind of why we're we're doing the lockdown challenge, which um yes. I haven't seen this on, on Twitter or anything, but 
um, you might remember we had Stephen Fife on a few episodes ago who was who was running a champion or one or two race I think they call it where they basically set a series of challenges and people try and hit the challenges and they get points for it and it was yeah. it was I, I found it very immersive during you know during the peak of lockdown when I, I couldn't really go anywhere and I found myself actually more into the game than I had been for a number of years um, you know thinking about what my next sign was going to be and thinking yeah. about you know things things like that and I, we said at the time you know we're going to have to rip this off so when uh, when the country went back into lockdown um, last week, um, spoke to a few on Twitter and we said, "Let's let's do this and let's give it a real go." So we um, we started the lockdown challenge where um, we've we've asked you to start as Fulham uh, in Division Two. Now, if you're on the if it, when you're on the patched version, Fulham are loaded. They, they've yeah. just been just been taken over. So you got something like seven and a half million to play with. So you get you got the points for getting promoted and for having goal scorers get over thirty goals and, and that kind of thing. So. Yeah. People generally did pretty well on the on the first challenge, uh, and then it's going to get more and more difficult, hopefully, as we go through. So yeah, it ramps up for season two or part two. Yeah, well, again, part of this was that I, I put the league table together and found that nearly everyone was on the same score. <laughs> so, although well, we need to find ways to make this, this score thin out a bit, so yeah, um, you're, you're tasked with getting a new job and getting you know getting to the top league by whatever means necessary, whether it's being offered a job or being promoted with with Fulham, and there's yeah. different levels of points on board for that. So um, that's as of this recording, well underway now, um, and, uh, and challenge three is, is due out tomorrow. Um, or, or I guess it'll probably be today by the time we release the pod. But yeah. um, would you like a preview, Ross, of what of what people have to do for yeah, challenge let's three? Yeah, do it because I mean, part two looked really tricky for me alone, and I've, I've, I've just started. <laughs> I've literally today started on part one. I'm a bit behind. I'm not going to enter the actual whole thing, but I'm just going to play along with it anyway. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, if people do want to start again and, and enter, um, you know, you're welcome. I'll take entries any time. Yeah. Um, you know, the challenge will still be there. There's, there's the time limit's just purely for people who are able to play it at yeah. a full pace. But there's plenty of people who are sort of just getting part one to us now, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take me two seconds to sort of mark what you've sent us, so it's, it's no problem. Yeah. Um, so um, what we're going to do with, with Challenge 3 is we're going to ask you to get a job in the second tier of Spain. Um, right. It's not a very not, not a very commonly ploughed league, I would no. say. I think uh, it's um, it's an interesting one. So if you can get a, a job over there um, by getting a job offer, um, so obviously apply for any jobs that come up and get offered us, that'll be worth 75 points to you. Um You've got a cut off of July the sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine, to get that offer. If not, you're gonna to have to swallow your pride and add yourself in as a new manager at, at any club of your choice. Right. Uh, once you're in there, um, your task is basically you get points for your total number of points in the league. Okay. There's a there's a promotion bonus of 125 points. Wow. Okay. You'll get um, plus the number of goals from your top goal scorer. So they get 43. You get 43 points. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a bonus 10 points for every goal scored by your goalkeeper (laughs) (laughs) and you will lose 10 points for every player in your final squad who averages under 7 at the end of the season okay so that'll mix things up a bit I fancy yeah that's going to get some variation in the results you're getting back definitely I like that I like the the taking the points away for uh, that that sort of ratings because I mean, I've always struggled to get people rated higher than a seven or across the squad, definitely. Yeah, those pesky fullback positions could be a problem. So yeah. people may end up getting to March near the transfer deadline and saying, well, I might just sell these people. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's fine. You know, it's just who's in the squad at the end of the season. Um, okay. but, you know, don't be don't be a dick and release people on a free transfer. Let's try and do this properly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of fun. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the challenge. Um, nice. So I'm 
looking forward to seeing those entries come in. Um, I think what we will end up doing is um, giving people a bit more time between challenges because uh, yeah. it. Um, I think it's three and four days. I mean, it's probably a bit tight, so we might just extend those out a bit so people can uh, can get a bit more caught up. But uh, yeah. I'm happy to release challenges early to people who are you know raring to go. That's no problem. Um, yeah. You know, we're fairly flexible with all this. It's not a, there is a prize on offer, but you know, we're not talking. It's not going to be like bullseye. There's no speedboat. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable prize, but it's you know, it's not, it's not worth losing any sleep over. No, yeah, we do what we can with prizes, definitely. But yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great way to just keep getting more and more out of a game that is now over or almost. Well, next year is such an old game; it's insane. But yeah, I mean, it just just turned twenty three, um, which is. Disgusting, really. Is that right? Should 20, yeah, job, but... should be on the housing ladder. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, it's not. It's just sitting there, <laughs> wasting your time. Um, but uh, no, it's um, it's it's it is an old game. But I have been really heartened by the comments from people who are saying, you know, I've loved getting back into this and having a new challenge. And it's it's um, I'd kind of reached a dead end with with what I was thinking of doing. So yeah. Um, I've, you know, it's been great. Listen to to people say how much they're enjoying doing it and playing the game again. And I say I just hope that it's, it's keep people uh, people occupied and, uh, you know, without labouring a point, we have to look after each other at the moment. So uh, all I, all I all I know is chump man. So it's all I can offer you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great place to be, and the amount of stuff that is on the blog at the minute as well is, I mean, incredible. The retirement home still going strong. Episode forty-five just dropped this week. Yeah, um, yeah. So retirement home. I mean, it is. It is. I'm hoping to finish it by the end of the year. Um, I think it's it's getting towards running its course. Um, I do have a, a new a new idea lined up, which we'll, we'll go into as we get close to the time. But it's um, it, the retirement home has been a real labour of love. Like it, I always think back of it and think, you know, there was time. There was times where like we we were obviously getting thrashed every week, and we only just survived Division One. Yeah. Um, we got relegated in the Premier League once, and we managed to come back, which I, you know, I didn't think we would. And mm. um, it's it's really surprised me how um, how much you can get out of some of these old old players. But yeah. uh, we've we've just about managed. But aside from the retirement, like I can say we, we've got blogs every day at the minute. Um, uh, we, we have a bit of a guest slot on a Tuesday, so Jack's just taking Iceland to, to the World Cup, which yeah, was, I'm was, was Jack's work. His Jamaica and now Iceland blogs have been really yeah, good he, fun. He's really plucked some ideas from obscurity, which. Um, He's done great work with. He's been a great one where he just kept reloading, reloading, reloading <laughs> just to get the results yeah. needed. I said, I was like, why don't you add yourself in as Ireland and just tank the game? So <laughs> like, oh no, never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, fair play to Jack for that. Um, say Monday, Matten is, is all Welsh squad. Um, yeah, again, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea, doing well. Yeah. Um, Andrew and the Wonder Kids. He's, he's just ordered um, the Wonder Kids shirt. I've just, just tweeted this out. That. So fair play for that. Um, oh, one. Yeah, well, who knows, Ross? Maybe you get to pull out the hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, the Wonder Kid has been going and going and going. It's a great series. Um, yeah. The only person I've ever seen ever successfully implement a B team in uh, mm. in, a, in the English league, and they ended up in the same division as them, which was shouldn't be possible, but <laughs> happened. So fair enough. Um, Thursday is Peter Jones and Alloway. Now Peter is. Um, I'm going, you're right. Yeah, it's 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 outstanding. Like yeah. it's. Um, 
there's a lot of a lot of niche references in there, which mm. obviously appeals to, to me quite a bit. But it's it's just brilliantly written, and he's he's taken over at Alloa, and they've kind of been in this eternal struggle to try and overturn the old firm. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's recently taken the the Scotland job, so um, it's all happening for for Peter. Nice. Uh, Friday is, is Nick and his, so you might know him as Sam Classic Squad so yeah. when he's not making a, a tremendous graphics he's um, at the moment he's back in Bilbao with the Basque boys um, he has been in uh, Germany with, with Leipzig or yeah. Red Bull Leipzig um, so again more great ideas there which has been good to see uh, and then on Saturday we've got um, Philip Verbist yeah. um, he's in Belgium um, he shattered the same community on last weekend with, uh, with a revelation about sorting the database. That, yes, uh, I could not r- believe that. Ruffled some feathers, but yeah, basically, <laughs> if, you, if you if you sort the database, um, your your free transfers order by, you know, whatever you've sorted by. So in his case, he sorted by I think it was ability, um, and therefore you just see the best free transfers rather than alphabetical order or by nation or whatever you've picked. So, That's um, I mean, exactly. Like, how do people keep finding these things? Yeah. <laughs> how has no one found that in twenty five? I know. Years? I know it's, it's remarkable, isn't it? but total, you know, fair play. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he's working wonders with that. So, um, yeah, it's 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 really really interesting at the minute, and uh, I say it, it's, um, it's it's attracting a lot of views as it did back in March when we first went to lockdown. I think people are mm. reconnect reconnecting with uh, with with Champ Man again. So, um, long long may it continue. It's because it's so easy to play, you can do a season in a couple of hours. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I'm I'm working on trying to get a whole team of uh, the player well with one name and it's so hard to do because <laughs> the, the, the database is not it would be easier on FM certainly but on Champman the, the yeah the database Dave seems to be the easiest one because there's a couple of variations on that that you can use but yeah, yeah so far proved true. unsuccessful so <laughs> maybe maybe one to try um, yeah. have you or will you be trying FM twenty one I saw the the beta was released last night. <laughs> Um, yes, I will be on that. Kind of, I'm going to wait till Christmas and I wait for the uh, the good CD keys deals. I think rather than jumping yes. straight in, because I'm still quite yeah. into FM20, so I don't want to just sack off that save completely. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very much on the same board. Um, and I've, as I've said the last few pods, I've, I've for some reason really been bitten by the desire to, to give Football Manager another another, another go. Mm. Um, I think I'm going to try and do it real time. I think I've, yeah, I, you I, I haven't... the last pod in your interview. Um, to, to do it that I've, way is a really fascinating idea. I've managed to talk myself out of it yet, so which is good. Um, <laughs> so I'm now thinking of like if I can find a league that starts in a, in and around January, February, then I'll just do it like real time, actually to the day as well. There's almost there's um, got to be one. Well, it normally would be. But I don't know what, how it's happened with um, with COVID oh, and stuff. Yeah. Like things seem to have been turned upside down. But mm. um, as you say, there's got to be one. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. There's so much stuff. So much stuff in the community at the minute. It's it's superb to see. Just get on Dave's Twitter at CM9798. It's just just so much stuff every day. <laughs> yeah, it is. I sometimes think, what what do my followers think? Who you know don't really follow Champ Man, but uh, <laughs> they they have little choice in the matter. So. You got them at seven thousand. They're they're there. They know why they're there. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, you can find Dave at that Twitter account, CM9788. The blog is cm9788.co.uk. Um, oh, WordPress.com, isn't it, I think? No, no. It, I bought the domain, just no one ever used it. But yeah, cm9798.co.uk will get you there. Lovely. Uh, you can find us, us at Man on the Post on Twitter. Um, we've got a website, but no one really uses it anymore, so don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, leave us a five-star rating review. If you listen to us on iTunes, uh, a review goes a really long way. It's really good to see, and we'll read them out on the podcast, as long as they're, I mean, 
good. I mean, even if they're terrible, we'll read those out as well. Um, but we're always after the reviews. Um, and yeah, we've got at least two shows a week. And then when this one comes out every month, there's the, the week when there's three. So there's lots of good work going on from all the boys at Manila Post as well. So yeah, until, well, later this month, maybe, Dave? Sure, maybe next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will have another pod with you before December, and then hopefully another one before Christmas as well, a Christmas special. We'll, uh... I'll, I'll tell you now, Ross, we're going to do a quiz in December. Ooh, I love a quiz. I love a quiz. Well, there. Well, I've just I've just said that, now I've got to think of some questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's people that will help put that together, and uh, yeah, we'll... Should we get a big a big Zoom quiz going and uh, we can record it and release it and something like that? Yeah, and we'll just wait until someone else rips it off. Yeah, exactly. Circle <laughs> <laughs> is complete. No problem. Uh, so, yes, until we are back later this month, yeah, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Dave. Goodbye for now. And always remember to keep your Chan Man on the post.